The Bible Belt Heathen Podcast is your atypical Bible podcast that looks to do two things, to explore and to engage, engage in the Bible or Christianity as a whole. Viewer discretion is advised, or in other words, just go look for yourself. In this episode, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, as we continue on on our What the Hell series, which is looking at the diverse views of the afterlife within the Bible or within Scripture. So in the last episode, we looked at the first 11 verses of chapter 15, and here Paul is adamant that the death, burial, and resurrection is vital to the gospel. And he is reminding the Corinthian congregation what they had already accepted and what they're currently standing on. This is what they accepted in the beginning. And in the New International Commentary of the New Testament, this is Gordon Fee's 1 Corinthians commentary, uh, he says this, he says, Having reasserted the resurrection of Christ as the common ground of all Christian preaching and faith, Paul now moves from that base to to refute those who deny the resurrection of believers who have died. And so now we're jumping into verse 12 after Paul has made it very clear that it is vital. You have to believe in some sort of resurrection. So now in verse 12, we really get a glimpse of the heart of the issue. And this is 1 Corinthians 15, 12. This is the um, legacy standard version or legacy standard Bible. And now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So Paul is really starting to throw the hammer down now, right? I I get this picture in my head. He's Paul. Paul, he's looking at them. He's confused, and he has this confused face, and he's kind of like a parent um, when they look at their kid after they've done something a little dumb. Uh, I know my parents gave me quite a few of those looks over the years, um, but it's that, you know, it's that moment in Walmart when you, you know, yell out, whose kid is this, you know, and you just kind of slowly walk away just because of something that they've done. Um, But it's that moment that I picture Paul you know, when he hears about what is happening in the congregation at Corinth, you know, he's, he's asking this rhetorical question that how can you believe the gospel that Christ was raised from the dead? You, you've accepted those tenets, but you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead as a whole, right? You can't have one really without the other. And so from verse 12 through 19, Paul is laying out an argument that shows how denying the resurrection of the dead has quite a few consequences. And in verse 19, he says that if Christ has not been raised, we should all be pitied. It's kind of harsh, Paul. I'm slightly offended here, but this section is what has generated a lot of debate over the years because the way you understand what Paul means by no resurrection of the dead will affect how you understand the gospel as a whole. And so the issue revolves around what exactly Paul is trying to correct. And I already alluded to what I think in in the last episode, but here I'll give you a couple of the options. You can decide for yourself here. So there's really three main theories. What does Paul mean by there's, how do you believe there's no resurrection of the dead? And there's quite a few other you know, flavors of these theories, but these three are kind of the core. And then the others are just, um, just different versions of these three. So number one, there are some in the congregation 
who were from a Greek philosophical background that believed in a division between the body and the spirit, where the spirit is immortal and the final existence of humanity. And so they rejected the idea of a bodily resurrection. It's more of a quote-unquote spiritual resurrection. Um, so that's the first one. The second one, some believed in a sort of uh, Epicurean philosophy, which denied the afterlife altogether. And in a sense, they believed, you know, this life is all there is. We might as well live it up. We might as well enjoy it. All right. So that was two. Number three, and some thought the resurrection had already happened. And believers now have a sort of exper- a, a spiritual existence. And you'll hear the term over-realized eschatology, you know, in some of the scholarly circles. But the resurrection's already happened, and we're already living in this spiritual existence. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the other theories are just kind of derivations of these three in some way. So, for example, one theory is Paul is correcting some uh, Hellenistic Jews, such as the Sadducees, who denied bodily resurrections on grounds similar to point one just kind of a different derivation. But either way, the idea is the same. Whoever these members are, they're denying the resurrection of the body, right? Not the resurrection as a whole. And out of the three options, I do think that option one is the most plausible, just just based on the flow of the whole chapter. But there's some decent evidence for the other two options, right? You have uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. And uh, fifteen thirty two. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we die. And so by denying a full blown afterlife, you know they have this idea: hey, we should just live up this life that we have now and enjoy all of its pleasures, right? So that's, there's some evidence there for option two, uh, for that Epicurean philosophy. So option three, you know, um, that the resurrection has already happened. We, we kind of see this in second uh, Timothy two eighteen, uh, who have gone astray from the truth thing, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they upset the faith of some. Here, Paul is correcting the idea that the resurrection has already taken place right, in one of his other letters. And so you have options here. There's evidence. Um, but if you continue to read the chapter, Paul gives a very big explanation of what the resurrection body uh, will be like. So I tend to think that option number one fits the context of the chapter as a whole. But I, I could honestly be convinced of any of the, of the other two. But um, jumping to 1 Corinthians 15, 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So those who've already died, here Paul says, without the resurrection, without the resurrection of the body, they have perished. They have been destroyed. They are gone. So we have this idea of falling asleep, which is a common analogy for dying, and we still kind of see that used today whenever, you know, we see the term rest in peace. It's kind of the same thing. Um, but what does perished mean here? So if there is no resurrection of the dead, what does Paul mean by they have perished? Right? So if they've died and you have the understanding that, hey, you are in heaven after you have died. You know, what What does he mean by perished if there is no resurrection of the dead? And there are a few options and commentaries. Um, number one, that you're, you're still in a state of being under condemn, condemnation, 
which means you have not been rescued from death. And so you're under condemnation. Your sins have not been forgiven. And so you just perish. And um, number two, there's eternal separation from God. Again, you're under condemnation. So you're, you're in turn separated. Uh, number three, you've entered into the suffering of hell or never-ending suffering. Um, you know, it, it, we've kind of seen that even in this chapter, there's not a whole lot of evidence for that. Um, but that's still out there in commentaries. Um, uh, number four, you're at complete loss. Like they're just lost. They're gone. They've died. They're buried in the ground and they've just perished. They're gone. Uh, number five, they are still in their sins and have perished. That kind of goes back to you're still under condemnation. Number six, you're still under death's rule. Uh, these, this is the idea of death is like this cosmic enemy to God, you know, and, and in the end, Christ will conquer death and he's it's almost a personified enemy and number seven they are lost and never to wake again um this is i think this is a pretty good option because you have this idea of the dead are sleeping right and they are never to wake again and these arguments get pretty complex um but i i think i tend to agree with anthony thistleton in his new international greek commentary uh, the image of to sleep, right, has a sense that if you're asleep, there's hope that you will w awake, awaken in the future, right? So here to perish, there's this, you're lacking hope of ever waking up in the end. And I think that really fits uh, in verse 19 when Paul talks about hoping in Christ in this life, but without hope of awakening, awakening. We need to be pitied, right? He says, you know, all who have um, fallen asleep, you know, we, they have perished and we as, as Christ believers are to be pitied, right? Because there's no hope of ever awakening uh, in the end. And so now the way that you see these verses, it, it really depends on your presuppositions when you read the text. If you're already expecting to see themes of hell and eternal punishment and, and heaven, um, you can read that into the text, but just really take a minute and focus on what Paul's saying here. It's all about the resurrection. It's all about awakening into a new life. It's not about hell and eternal punishment for those that are asleep or the eternal bliss um, as they're sleeping. It's about what happens in the life after life, after death. And we've mentioned that in the last couple episodes, but, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that the idea of hell is not, not in the back of Paul's mind, right? That I think that idea is still a very much in our maybe column. You know, we mentioned that in one of the previous episodes, you know, you have kind of the Venn diagram where you have your maybe column, your yes column, and your no column. And as you read, and as you study, you kind of make decisions on which column you know, those beliefs or those themes are in. I still think, you know, the idea of heaven and eternal punishment and hell is very much in the maybe column. It's just, I don't think it's present in this text. And, you know, it would be arguing from silence, which we don't want. Um, but I think we get the idea that Paul's focus is on the resurrection. It's on awakening. It's on new life. And I was going to, I was going to finish the rest of chapter 15 um, but I think you get the point, and I don't really want to belabor, belabor this idea. And I'm really excited to get into some different texts um, that 
you know, might be a little more apparent to, you know, what we tend to think of heaven and hell and the afterlife. But so in the next episode, I think we're going to move on. We're going to move forward just a little bit and look at some other texts. So stay out of trouble if you can. And I look forward to the next episode and I will see you next time.